Ladies and gentlemen, it's your buddy Gavin. June 1st, Saturday night. And it must mean we're doing a little hockey talk with my buddy Andy Maslin, your buddy Andy Maslin, everybody's buddy Andy Maslin on the filibuster freestyle. It is Game 3 Stanley Cup Finals coming up, and so we will see what happens, but we'll have Andy Maslin after the theme song. Before the theme song, we've been talking hockey a lot lately this week because obviously the Boston Bruins are playing the St. Louis Blues, and there's a decent amount of people who listen to this podcast who are Bruins fans or at least Boston sports fans. But anyway, win or lose, we're doing pods. But I know some of y'all don't like hockey, so we've got plenty coming your way in the filibuster freestyle. A lot of recordings scheduled, a lot of guests you haven't heard from in a while coming back. First of all, the long-awaited return of the Southern Charm recap podcast from the filibuster freestyle, which this year I'm going to find a name for. But we're coming back with Dara Richie O'Brien, the beautiful bride of Dan O'Brien from Winewall and Dragons fame. And, of course, Chief Financial Officer, Pundit Cindy Harrington. The two of them will be joining me in a couple days to record our thoughts on the first three episodes of Season 6 of Southern Charm from Bravo. And, not to be outdone, Roscoe P. and I from Drilling Threes finally going to talk about and grade and analyze the performances of the acts who were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not going to lie. Stevie Nicks to open the show, Def Leppard to close the show, both went really well. So, that's all coming up this week on the Filibuster Freestyle, filibusterfreestyle.com. So feel free to check out the website that I just mentioned. Feel free to subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, just rate the pod. Because even rating the pod helps people find the pod. Anyway, coming up next, Andy Maslin after the theme song. Filla Buster Freestyle. Filla Buster, Filla Buster Freestyle. Filla Buster, Filla Buster Watch out for the Filla Buster. Filla Buster. Freestyle. Filla Buster Freestyle. It's the Filla Buster Freestyle. Filla Freestyle. Ladies and gents, as promised, it's a Bruins win, so you get the theme song, and of course, you get a much happier version of Andy Maslin. What is going on in Florida, my man? Uh, you you want to see a dead body? Sure. Don't look in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I am a much happier person than I am the other night. I like the St. Louis Blues a lot better than the, I did the other night. I feel like the other night I did not like them. I was very negative and upset and lashing out towards some of their players. Tonight, I'm happy with the Blues. I'm happy with the Bruins. I like the performance. So you're all over it in all good ways. Let me ask you this. Off the bat, because this goes back to the end of our conversation the other night. You mentioned the Bruins' ice at home was crappy. We said, yes. you said, as you're the hockey guy, that a, a clean sheet of ice actually probably helps the Bruins because they're probably actually the more skilled skating team. So it, yes. did, did the clean ice, in theory, tonight in St. Louis just hurt their own team? I, you know what? Like, I don't like to put too much into it. Sure, sure. It, but it, it's definitely the better the ice, the faster the ice, it favors the more skilled team, which in this case is the Bruins. So uh, it's it's possible. And like, there's just things that I see. I, I, I feel like the almost the hype up of your first Stanley Cup game in forever. Yes. At home. It's very easy for a team to get lost in that kind of hype in the pregame kind of – 
kind of festivities going on at your rink. When you're on the road, it really doesn't matter. I feel like you're just almost annoyed by it. At home, you're a part of it. And that could be why the, the Blues just stunk in the first period. Stunk well, the whole game, you know? Another, yeah, another thing that they did, which reminded me of Game 3 for the Bruins at Carolina, was they, they had to, with, with, with indoor, excuse me, like an 8-10 to 10 minute onslaught yep. at the very beginning. But when Tuca kind of held up, and they didn't let in any exactly. goals during that, th- then you're right. You, you, you weather that storm, and all of a sudden, especially when you weather the storm and then, then score, it just sucks the life out of a building. No question. And the thing is, the second goal came pretty quickly on the heels of the first, so it really did just take the air right out of the place. Um, you know, it, it was amazing because actually the, the really big save – the last huge save that Biddington made at 10-14, it was the Bruins' first good look, and he yes. made a really good save. And then, honestly, he, he got burned in the power play the next two trips, and it was over. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was lights out. The Bruins looked good, and they, they kept on it. I actually thought when they went up 4-1, to I thought it might kind of come back a little bit and end up you know, like a six to four game where you were never really nervous about St. Louis making a full comeback, but actually getting in the game. And, you know, I thought that again when it was four to one, but it just never really materialized. Absolutely. Another huge moment in the game was Bruins score with 10 seconds left in the first period. Corrali, great goal, three nothing. I write, what a shot. And then I, I say, oh, St. Louis is going to challenge it and it might get overturned. Turns out the goal stands because the St. Louis player brought the puck back into his own zone, and so now, now, not only do you negate the goal, but you lose your you lose your timeout. So now yeah. you can't close the t- you can't call a timeout the rest of the game, and they definitely could have used one a couple times. Yeah, it was it was funny because at that point I was watching the game, but I wasn't paying as close attention. Yep. Um, because I was at my friend's house and he had smoked some ribs, and they had just come out of a smoker, and I, I like ribs out of the smoker. Who so, doesn't? First of all, who doesn't? Uh, you know that was going on at that time, and I, and I missed the goal in real time. And then I, and when they were challenging him, my first thought was, "Oh, he's offside." And then uh, you know, you, and the announcers didn't even pick up on. That's normally something I would pick up on. That the, the guy his own. You know, because the, the, for people that don't know, offsides does not. So it's if it's if offsides in a non-hockey fan in hockey, it's when the player is in the in the zone before the puck. Right. But if you bring the puck into your own zone, like on the defensive end, then the then the offside doesn't matter because you brought it in. Right. The other so guy can't be the offside. Announcers weren't even talking about that. They didn't pick up on it until after the goal was called. Correct. Like after the um, after the overturn was settled. Right. They were actually saying in their minds it was coming back, which is what Yes. would freak me out because I thought maybe they'd probably know about it because they're hockey guys and they're getting paid yeah, for it. Yeah, and we're, like I said, where I wasn't paying attention because I, I mentioned the ribs. I like ribs. Uh, I, I missed it. Normally it's not what it picked up on. It would have been screaming about. Well, three goals in the final four shots in the first period. And then the crazy thing is the Bruins actually get to start the second period, basically on the majority of a two-minute power play. And the power play was on friggin' fire tonight because Pasternak made it look easy on the fourth goal, like super easy. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, four for four on the power play tonight for the Bruins. When you're in the playoffs, especially the deeper you get, and you're playing good teams, it's the special teams that make the difference. Five-on-five five hockey is going to be plus one or minus one. Crap shoot. Right, total crap shoot. It, 
you know, it's it's where the it's where it's, uh, the power plays where it makes a difference, and they were great. And then just the roller coaster that the playoffs are. Um, I forget if it was first round or I think it was second round versus Columbus. People were calling for Pasternak to be out of the lineup because he was playing so bad. They assumed it was still you know a hangover from the injury, but he was awful. He was fanning on passes. He was fanning on shots. He was killing a power play. And now he's just making it look easy. Yeah, that that one was like a regular season goal. I mean, it was just was. You know, he waited for he waited for Bennington to go low, and he just kind of flicked it with the back of his stick right above him. It was it was, it was very not almost nonchalant in terms of the goals we've had to see in this series. And then it's really interesting because finally the Blues put some pressure on the Bruins. They get a nice kind of double deflection goal. It's four to one, but then they have a high stick penalty right then, and the Bruins go back in the power play, and Krug snipes it, and it's five to one already. So they're three for three. Bennington's been chased. He uh, yeah, and that that was that was right right there. You knew the game was over. Not you know, like I said, you, yeah, you, you figured Boston was going to win when they're up four to one, but crazier things have happened. All of a sudden, you make it four to two, and, and you get one towards the end, and it's a scramble at the end. You never know what happened. As soon as it was five to one, were, at that point, you know there was there was absolutely no chance of St. Louis coming back. Right now, let me ask you this, and this will goes back to a conversation you and I had a couple weeks ago when the Blues were playing the Sharks. And you were saying that you thought the Blues at the time were probably going to end their magic carpet ride, and they didn't. But Biddington, have the wheels fallen off the bus? Is the magic carpet ride over, or did he have a bad night? He has not been great. He wasn't great in the Shark series. He had some good games, but he gave up a lot of goals. Yep. Um, I didn't think he played particularly well the other night in the in their win. I thought both goals, like, and I don't want to call them soft goals because I don't think you look at any particular goal tonight and say that's a soft goal. Right. But you're in the Stanley Cup Finals. You need your goalie to make a couple of saves on the very good to extraordinary side to keep you in a game. And I don't, you know, for, and I just don't think he did it tonight. I don't think he was good in the win. I thought in the game one loss, I thought he made a lot of saves, but I thought he gave a couple, a couple soft goals. So we're on a two or three week stretch now because, like I said, he, he. I would have to look back at the scores of the San Jose series, but he gave up three, four, five goals in a couple of games, I believe. So he has not been as good as he was earlier in the playoffs. So uh, you know, it's it's possible, you know, and. There's such a difference in the playoffs on everything, but particularly with the goaltending. And when I say goaltending, I mean pre-scouting. Because when you're playing a goalie, you know, on a Thursday night and you played the night before, you get some pre-scouting on him, but you're not breaking down 10, 20, 30 games of his. Sure. Going going into this playoff series and throughout the playoff series, the Bruins goaltender coach, the Bruins video staff, has probably broken down all 35, or I guess now I saw it's like up with the playoffs, he's at the 50 games. They've probably broken down every single game he's played. And maybe they've hit some weaknesses. I, and, and that's why he's giving out goals. Same thing in the Shark series. Or maybe it is just the guys come back to earth a little bit. You know, he's played maybe more games than he's played in his career, and he's just tired. For, for sure. So, what are, what are we thinking about the. the like, how do you explain the energy transfer? I mean, I, I, we talked about the weather in the storm, and then, of course, the power play was on fire tonight. But where the heck was that for the Bruins in Game 2? And more importantly, how do you think Game 4 plays out in terms of, you know, we've seen three games and we've seen 
the two teams kind of clearly exert the, the team that wins is clearly been the team that deserved to win in all three games. So, you know, does it yo-yo back to the St. Louis now or, or do the yeah, Blues? Yeah, I've never been one, and I may have said it on the podcast the other day, I don't believe that much in home ice advantage making a difference in, in professional hockey. Correct. And I don't believe that much in momentum. You know, you're having a full night off. Uh, you know, scoreboard goes back to zero zero. You're not carrying over seven goals. You know, you know. It's the, yeah, there's no aggregate so, score for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just think you know, I, I would be a good game. I wouldn't be shocked if the Blues win at home. You know, and they go back to Boston two two. Um, but I, I, if I had to pick, I'm going to say the Bruins win because all of a sudden their top line is 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 firing and. I think I, I, I think the Bruins win. I think their top line is locked in, and their depth is just showing up. Right now, how big was it? Obviously, the Bruins were able to play a sixth defenseman tonight, and obviously, the guy who put the hit on Grizzly the other night couldn't play. Sunquist or Lundquist, whatever the hell his name is, who cares? So he's coming back, obviously, for Game Four, and I don't think Grizzly is. So, you know, do you see him being a factor in Game Four? Um, I. I... No, I mean, yeah, he's a better, obviously he's a better player than the guy they had. I don't think any one player makes a difference tonight, you know, with the way correct, the Rose correct. and the way the, the Blues play. Yep. So, I mean, it, it is, you know, your sixth defenseman is better than your seventh defenseman, so it's one better player on the ice. Uh, I think it, you know, still hurts the Bruins a little bit. It changes guys' roles a little bit, right? You know, because Grizzly really is a puck-moving defenseman, uh, and, and, I forget who they brought. They played, they played more tonight because I know I was talking to more. Yeah, yeah, they played more tonight for sure. Um, I, so I, I don't see it being a huge, a huge difference. Uh, you know, it's not like it's a number. It's not like it's their top defense for for St. Louis. You know, a guy who's logging all the minutes. That's fair. So, I mean, I feel like Tuca was pretty locked in tonight. Both goals were deflected. Um, so, you, you think he's? Still pretty locked in the way he was the last couple rounds. Yeah, there was a stat the other day. Chuka has has like broken a record. Um, now his save percentage has been ninety or above in like you know thirteen or fourteen straight playoff games. He's locked in. Um, but you know, just like you said about Biddington, I mean, he can still be locked in. And and like the the second goal tonight was a deflection, and then the other one was a scream. Guy can be locked in. Stuff like that happens. Still gives up three or four goals and totally changes the game. No question. But I think mentally he's locked in. Physically he's locked in, and he's playing well. And it looks to me like it's an intentional thing by St. Louis yep. to run into him a lot, give him some shots after the whistle, try to get in his head, and that doesn't appear to be working. Yeah, I mean, I think tonight that definitely backfired hard. Um, and I heard the, I heard the announcers reference this, but clearly the Bruins don't retaliate the same way they would if that happened, like in a game in like January, right? So right. that happens in January. That's a full scale bloodbath, right? Yeah, and I don't I don't think the Bruins have had a fight in the playoffs because the the other thing too, like the Bruins don't really have a fighter in their lineup. Okay. Um, you know they have a couple guys who can fight, but there's guys that you need on the ice. You know, Brandon Carlo can throw, Chara can throw. The Bruins don't really have that Sean Thornton type on their fourth line who, who is a known, you know, Enforcer 10-15 type. Fight, fight a guy, 10-15 fights a year guy. They don't have that guy on the ice right now. 
Got they can, but the thing is that, that that's helping them so much by having a fourth line that's really going. Well, that's what I was going to say is, is, is the fourth line has never, in my opinion, been the problem in these playoffs. In fact, in, in many spots, they've, they've been the bright spot. But then, like you said, when the first line is going and when the power play is going, holy cow, because the fourth line is still going to give you something because they are all guys who can actually play and put the butt puck in the yeah, net. And, and arguably, Johansson, who took a lot of heat in the Boston media, I believe he was a trade deadline guy that didn't get a lot of hype. He's been our best player in the finals. I was going to say, Joe, I've been really, I've been locked in as a, as a podcast guy, if you will, on the Bruins for the last three and a half weeks or so. And Johansson, more often than not, is doing good things. You know, like, yes. I notice him, what's it, uh, Wedding Crashers, stand out, but in a good way. You know, rule number 75. You know, he's standing out yes. in a good way. Yeah, also, and, never, and, leave and, a, and, never leave a fellow crasher behind. Anyway, sorry. Never, never leave a fellow crasher behind. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go with that rule. I think that's the only rule I know, but I could probably spout off a couple if I was forced Yeah, if we had to, but, right? <laughs> but he's been um, – I don't think he's been crashing weddings during the playoffs. Let's just make that clear. That's what we do. That's um, what we do. He, he's been playing um, offensive zone, power play, penalty kill, defensive zone, playing with grit, just, just getting it done. Nice. So – let me ask you a couple questions. Um, we're definitely guaranteed a game five. We already knew that. Now, um, have we confirmed that Cindy Harrington is waving the flag, or did I start that rumor? You started the rumor. She's accepted your offer. Just a question of the Bruins also offer. She, okay. I, I want to pose this to you, though. She thinks Tom Brady is the actual leader in the clubhouse to wave the flag in game five. What do you think? There were rumors for that after game after game two when it was uh, when it was Belichick. Gotcha. Um, someone I actually uh, so, when it was, someone in the Boston media uh, posted early in the day that it was Brady is going to be the, the flag captain or banner captain. Gotcha. And then and then a couple hours later they they said no my information was wrong he's not going to. So pump the brakes on that. Gotcha. Um, but it would it wouldn't shock me. Um, you know, kind of going through some names, I don't know who it would be. And then um, where he was involved, I don't know if you saw the pregame the other day. You know, Brady esque. You know that that uh, you know Brady does before the playoff games. Yeah. But uh, Brady narrated it. So yeah, I saw that. He's definitely involved. Yeah, he's pretty locked in. So let's do this. We didn't get to hear Gloria tonight, which is good because it's the victory song for St. Louis Blues. But you wanted to make sure we discuss how the Blues picked that song when they were on a road trip in Philadelphia. Let's do that real quick. Yeah, so um, one of the private clubs that, you know, it was one of the Mummers clubs. You know, I, you know, we can talk about the, the overly racist Mummers parade in Philly another time, but it was one of their clubs. They had one of their their you know private clubs that they practice their mummers uh, parade stuff at aka they just drink um they were in there a few of the blues actually the there's a guy named larry flowers who does not play for the blues but he's like jeweler to the stars ah. uh, he gets a watches and jewelry for a lot of the nhl i uh, really locked in the nhl but does it with a lot of the pro athletes uh the blues were in town on an off day I, I, they must have, they, they were on a road trip and they were in Philly on a Sunday and they weren't playing. And about, from what I understand, about six or seven of the guys um, were for the Blues. That Larry, this guy, Larry Flowers, brought them to this one. Uh, like a mummers club, clubhouse. clubhouse. Yeah, sure. 
And I've heard two conflicting stories. I, basically, what I heard is is at one point during like maybe the week before they were playing uh, uh, what's uh, Wolf of Wall Street, and nope. they played Glory in that movie. Sure. And and there was just a drunk guy in the bar who just kept he he was not one of the blues, one of the actual like mummers uh, from this club, and just kept shouting, "Play Gloria, play Gloria!" So they played it. Like one of those things, like on the jukebox or whatever, like ten times in a row, and and it was like a drunken day. I think it was an Eagles playoff game going on, and the guys in the Blues just got a kick out of it. Yeah, and it was in January, and, and you know, like when you're out with a group, um, like we sometimes will. I think you were there the day we referenced the guy, the Roll Tide. From yes, we were, in, we were in Florida. Just for those listening, it was f- like football major conference championship weekend, and it was the SEC championship. We were at some bar in Fort Lauderdale, and there was a guy by himself who every time Alabama did anything good, he would just yell, Roll Tide. And, and be- bellow Roll Tide. And that became like our, our, our call sign for the week, Roll Tide. There were maybe seven people in the bar, six of us were with us, and there was this guy. Um so, like, the rest of the weekend, and, like, if we got that group together again and someone just yelled roll tide, everyone would have We would all get it. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, these six or seven guys in the blues who were there, that became their joke. Play Gloria! Play Gloria! And that's just been their song since then, and that's right around the time where they started turning it around. Which is a nice thing. Now, the conf- is there a conflicting story to that? Or that was just kind of, it's, like it's, it's a conflicted story. That's that's the story. The, the 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 I threw in the I had heard later. I just heard recently that the guy was yelling "Play Gloria" because it was the Wolf of Wall Street. Got it. When I originally heard the story, it was just a drunk guy shouting "Play Gloria, Play Gloria" with no backstory of why he was yelling. Gotcha. So okay. I don't know if the Wolf of Wall Street Wall Street part is true. That was filled in in a media report later. I actually heard an interview with Larry Flowers, and he was just talking about the drunk guy. With Flay Gloria, Flay Gloria. Nice. Flag Gloria. Well, that's that's why we have you on the show because you get the inside dirt. Let now, me. My, my question for you. Yep. So remember what you're going to say. If I was to tell you there was a guy named Larry Flowers, would one of your first guesses be that he's a jeweler? Yeah, I would say um, either a fixer, like a guy who handles problems when you're on the road. Or maybe a club, maybe a club promoter, maybe the club promoter, or certainly like certainly the the jeweler slash like uh, clothier, if you will, a yeah, guy who makes suits. The guy, you're, you're right, the guy who can get things for you. You're right. He, he's a he's a fixer. He just happens to be in the jewelry industry. Yeah, but I definitely I'm definitely thinking a fixer for sure. Yeah. So here's what I was gonna ask you. So anything else on the game? I think you know Bruins look great tonight relative to the last game. They they looked even probably better than they did in game one. Certainly, they did their job. Even if they lose on Monday, which we hope they don't, they're going back home with either a chance to clinch it or a chance to take a 3-2 lead. So that's great. Anything else there? Because I got one unrelated question for you. No, I, I, I just I think the Bruins finally. This was the first game, first time in the Stanley Cup Finals that they've played. Well. Gotcha. I agree. Okay, so later this week, maybe even tomorrow, our buddy Roscoe P., our mutual friend from Drilling Threes is going to come on the show. We're going to talk a little Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're going to grade the performances of the people who performed this past year at the thing. But you like Depp Leopard as much as the next guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's a hot take that I'm going to pose to Roscoe P., but I want, I want your take on this, okay? So Def Leopard ends, ends their set with two, two of my favorite Def Leopard songs. They end with Photograph from 1983's uh, Pyromania, and then not they, the not not the um, the version by um, 
terrible Canadian band that everyone makes fun of. Nickelback. Uh, Nickelback. No. No. By the way, Nickelback, you're not allowed to do that song anymore. Um, <laughs> I like how you said terrible Canadian band that everyone makes fun of, and I'm like, Nickelback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then they close with Pour Some Sugar on Me, right? And so here's what I realized. We were, we were too young when Photograph first came out, and like when, when – Pour Some Sugar came out, I was like nine, so I was right in the wheelhouse of whatever was in the radio. But Photograph, to me, is a better song, but it took me 20 years to realize that. But Pour Some Sugar on Me is the one that brings the house down, and it took the entire world 20 seconds to realize that. What do you think of that take? I agree. I, I agree. But, you know, would you ever consider We Will Rock You or We Are The Champions, the greatest Queen songs of all times? Well, no, probably not. Um, no, but they're the, they're the stadium anthems. No, no question. The, I think Photograph is their best song of all time. I really do. Uh, yeah, no, I, definitely, definitely in the running. I, I probably agree with you. I mean, there's other great Sugar ones. On me is just a. It's a catchy. It's a. It, it, it's a catchy beat. Uh, catchy tune. You know, it, it, you can name it off the first three three chords. And that's it. Exactly. Pour some sugar uh, on me. And it's easy to sing along with. Right. Pour some sugar is, I mean, genius is that everybody can identify with it. Everybody knows it. And it never puts anybody into a bad mood. No. You know, photo- actually, now that we've talked about it, I'm probably going to listen to it. Dude, it's such a good song. But, like, the thing is, the only song you can even try to top the show with, if you're doing Photograph to end it, is to do Pour Some Sugar on Me. And it totally works. So, you know, it was great to see it, even though they're kind of, you know, like they're an older version of themselves. But I just think that they're both apex songs, but I get why they go in that order to close the night, even though I think, like, if the aliens got here and they were like, play us the best Def Leppard song, I think people would be like, well, this one's the most popular, but this one's the best. Yeah, I, I, I you know, almost, um, exactly. I was just going to say, just because it's the most popular doesn't mean it's the best. Right. Like, you know, like the argument, who's the MVP versus who's the best player? Right, exactly. So anyway, I'm going to try that one out on Roscoe P tomorrow. But uh, all right, so dude, let's see. You're locked in for Monday night, hopefully, game four. Yes, sir. Well, let's hope we get the good mood Andy Maslin versus the Andy Maslin who keeps using references to dogs, dogs, fecal matter. <laughs> yes, I was very, I, because last time I was on, I swore and I didn't want to, I, I know I only have one swear per lifetime on the filibuster freestyle so i had to be very careful right so so you know use the phrase you know use the phrase dog crap a couple times and that you showed restraints because you could have said some other words right so, i think i used dog poop i think you used both because i listened to i listened to the show either way it's okay and the good news is we, we just used it twice you here know what, put, put the uh put the uh, crack research team on that okay i'll, I'll make sure we we need, do that. you know what you need to hire a statistician that that's going to that's going to really, uh, you know, track the words we've used, how many times people have been on. You need a statistician. Dude, I'll tell you what. That's the best idea anybody's had all week. All right, man. Stick around for a minute. We'll catch up. Bruins win game three. They're up 2-1 to one in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, game four is Monday night, which means the fourth podcast will be Monday night. Andy Mass, thanks for being on, buddy. No problem, brother.